Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged. Now here's today's message. Well, I've got a message today. I've got a message that, that I believe God asked me to and told me to share today about walking in victory. We're in the You Are Chosen series. And today's message is titled, You Are Chosen to be Victorious. I'm going to put this down for a second. It's a little awkward. But I'll put it here so you guys can keep that in as a visual. There's a scripture that we're going we're gonna to use to set the tone for today. It's from John 10, verse 10. It says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. How awesome is this? Jesus tells us that he gives us two things, as if one's not enough. He gives us life, which is eternal life. He gives us freedom from the wages of sin, which is death. He gives us a spot in his father's mansion. He gives us an eternity. But he doesn't stop there. He came to give us life and then life to the full. He came to give us even more. I'd be super grateful if all I got was just the eternal life. Yes, no matter what happens in my life, I will die happy knowing where I'm going. But he didn't stop there. Our God doesn't stop there. He came to give you life and life to, it, to the full. So today we're going to talk about that life to the full. You know, we're here on this earth. The first part, which is the eternal life, that's after this world. So you can have assurance in your faith, knowing that you've been saved, knowing where you're going. But we still have to walk in this world. We still have to walk through our problems. We still have to walk through our struggles. So how do we get there? How do we come through that victoriously with this belt? How do you get this belt? How do you win in this life? So I want you to consider this statement. If they'll put up my first slide for me. Consider this statement as we go through today's message. I have issues. Is it up there? Yeah, I have issues. Don't we all, right? This is what the devil's going to tell you. There are many voices speaking to you. Many of them belong to the devil. One of them belongs to God. And if you choose to listen to him, he's going to tell you that you have issues. You have issues with forgiveness, with being critical, with judging. You have issues with addiction. You have issues with identity. He's going to tell you that you have issues. But are you going to believe him? Yeah, you're going to listen to him, but then you have to make a choice. Are you going to believe him? So I want to tell you this. He's just trying to distract you from the victory that God has already promised you. He's trying to take your eyes off of the victory because that's yours. And he wants you to sit in the middle of your stuff and think that there's no way out. He wants you to think that there is no hope. That's his plan to distract you, to make you forget temporarily what God has promised you. There's a scripture that I like from James. Um, and it's James chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among all the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith 
produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If you want to get out of your your struggle, you want to get out of your situation, how easy it would be for God to snap his fingers and remove you from it. But this word tells us, consider it pure joy when you're in the middle of a struggle because it's building perseverance. But our flesh just wants to say, God, make it stop hurting. But God is saying, I need you to know what this feels like because there's victory on the other side. So we need to start changing the way we look at things, right? We need to start changing the way we, we give our feelings too much authority inside. We don't live by our feelings as Christians. We live by our faith, not by our feelings. And I want to show you that God doesn't give you problems. He gives you opportunities. So the next time you're facing a problem, I want you to change your perspective. And hopefully today we can help you do that. Change your perspective to figure out how God is using that problem as an opportunity for you to grow, as an opportunity for his name to be glorified. So I've got a story from the Bible that we're going to read today. This is from the book of Second Chronicles. And it tells a story about a king, Hezekiah. And there's a lot of things in this story today that, that I can relate to. And I hope that as we read it together, you can too. So if you're following along, it's from Second Chronicles chapter 32, starting in verse 1. After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he had intended to wage war against Jerusalem. He consulted with his officials and his military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed from the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then they worked hard, repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside the one and reinforced the terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. He did a lot of things to prepare, right? He knew these guys were coming. The first thing that he did was he consulted with his military officials. Then they fortified the cities and they built more weapons. He did what he could. He did what he was able, and he made prudent preparations. But he did it out of order. Let me continue. He appointed military officers over the people. He assembled them before him in the square at the city gate, and he encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. He had to build them up. 
He had to speak truth to them. He had to show them that they have this belt already. The belt of truth. The belt of victory. He had to show them that they can have this confidence. And they did. They gained confidence from what he said. And I want to repeat what he said. He said, with him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. We are never alone. We are never relying on just our flesh. We have someone greater who fights our battles for us. So let's continue. Later, when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and all his forces were laying siege to Lachish, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. This is what Sennacherib, king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing your confidence that you remain here in Jerusalem under siege? On what are you basing your confidence? Can't you see all these people we have with us? And you're just little people in this little town. Why are you so confident against us? When Hezekiah tells you, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, he is misleading you. He's going to let you die of hunger and thirst. Did not Hezekiah himself remove this God's high places and altars, saying to Judah and to Jerusalem, you must worship before one altar and burn sacrifices on it. You know what Sennacherib is doing? He's speaking directly to the people and he's telling them, tell me if some of this sounds familiar. Did your king really tell you this? Does it sound familiar? Like from the book of Genesis in the garden, when the serpent tells Eve, did God really say if you do this? The devil's got the same schemes. He's been running them for thousands of years. He's going to tell you lies. He's going to pervert the truth. He's going to twist what you've been told. Because the devil just needs that little seed to be planted in your head to distract you from what God promised you. So he says to the people, what are you basing your confidence on? I'll tell you what I'm basing my confidence on. Haven't you seen this? Look at this thing. It's got gold. It's got jewels. Haven't you seen this thing? My father gave this to me. I put this on before I go to battle. Haven't you seen this? And you're asking me where I get my confidence from. Put it on and walk around. See if you don't get more confidence. And he tells him. He tells the people. He goes on. So he tells the people of of Jerusalem, do you not know what I and my predecessors have done to all the peoples of these other lands? Were Were the gods of those nations ever able to deliver the land from my hand? Who of all the gods of these nations that my predecessors destroyed has been able to save his people from me? How then can your God deliver you from my hand? Now, do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you like this. Do not believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my predecessors. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Are you getting mad and fired up reading this? To hear what this guy has to say about our God, I'm getting mad and I wasn't even there. But this is the trick of the enemy. This is the tactic of the enemy. Look at how big and powerful we are. Look at what I can do. Look at the destroyed wasteland behind me. Look at what all the terror and destruction in my past. Don't you think I'm going to do it to you too? Where do you get your confidence from? 
He tries to tell you and, and distort the truth. Did God really say that? Did Hezekiah really say that you have a chance at beating us? But I want to encourage you, if you feel that righteous indignation, when the devil starts to tell you how big he is, how big your problems are, we need to remind him that our God is even bigger. Our God is bigger than anything the devil can try. So, Sennacherib's officers spoke further against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. The king also wrote letters ridiculing the Lord, the God of Israel, and saying this against him. Just as the gods of the people of the other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to terrify them, to make them afraid in order to capture the city. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of this world, the work of human hands. These guys even spoke their language. Does that scare you? Because the devil speaks your language. You know, you've got 40 years of experience. However old you've got that many years of experience. The devil's got that many generations of experience knowing how to target you. The devil speaks your language. What are you going to do? Where are you going to base your confidence when the devil comes into your house and starts speaking your language? You need to know where your confidence comes from. The world is going to mock God. That's what these guys have done. That's what Sennacherib is doing. He started off mocking the people. Now he's mocking God. And this is what the world is doing today. They're going to mock God in, in schools just like the one we're sitting in right now. The world is going to mock God. And we're here to change that. We're here to restore God to his rightful place. He's on the throne. He sits there, always has, and always will. So, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. So this is what I meant by he did things out of order. How awesome it is that God came in and answered his prayer and rescued his people. But what Hezekiah did backwards was he made the, he made the preparations in his flesh first. And then when the walls came down, when the enemy got close, that's when he started to pray. But what we need to do is make prayer our first reaction. We need to do prayer first. Prayer, talking to God, asking him to be with us, asking him for help. It should be what we do every day, spending time with him. But when the struggle comes, it's a mistake to think that we can battle it in our own flesh first and still be victorious. We need to pray first. So this is what Hezekiah realized. He realized that the preparations he made, they weren't successful. And then he turned to God. But how fitting of a story is this in our lives? I think we can apply that scenario to, to any of our problems. 
when we think that we can solve it instead of turning directly to him, directly to our creator. So, the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. From then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations because he prayed. So I want to give you my next slide. And I want to tell you, you know, we started with this phrase, I have issues. When we begin to stop thinking of ourselves and our flesh as the solution, when we're beginning to stop thinking of ourselves as the subject, we need to get rid of some eyes out of that sentence. We need to take the eyes out of the equation because it's not me who does anything. We're going to rearrange some letters here because, like I said, it's not, it's not I who does anything. On the next slide, who is it that does it? We're going to take the H from over here. We're going to take the E from over there, and we're going to put them at the beginning. So now instead of I being the main subject, who's the main subject if we, if we change that? Go to the next one for me. He. All right. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. It's not I, but it's he. He's the one who fights my battles. He's the one who brings us victory. But now there's another word, right? It's not just he. He's not a God who just comes into your life and gives you eternal life and then puts his feet up and stops. He's a God who is actively working with you. He's actively walking with you. He's actively encouraging you, rebuking you, teaching you. He's actively walking with you. So he's got to be some sort of active verb up here. In Deuteronomy, I skipped over the slide. Don't go back. I'm just going to read this one. In Deuteronomy, it tells us, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. The victory is yours. The victory is already won, but he will allow you to go through the battle. And remember, we're going to get perseverance. We're going to be strengthened in our faith by going through those battles. So once we've got the he down, and we know that it's all about him, and we know that he is a God who fights for us, let's move some more letters around. Let's take, let's take the two S's from down here, and let's see where we can move them. Can you show me the next slide? God takes your situation that says, I have issues, and he works with what you've got to rearrange your life, and it says he saves us. Not by your own strength, not by your own bow, but by him and his power alone. At, at this point, I'd like to ask the worship team to come up. So I, I want to leave you with some, with some notes that you can take. You know, how can you get victory in your life? How can you get victory in this life? Because we already know the one that we have the eternity in heaven with our Father. Amen. But there's victories coming in this life. In Psalm 91 verses 9 through 11, it says this, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. 
For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. So when we ask this question, how do you find victory? Number one, you make the Lord your dwelling place. You make the Lord your dwelling place. And I don't mean like in the time of, of chaos, in the time of battle, to be your only prayer to him. You have to have a relationship of prayer. You have to have a daily relationship and talk with your father. Because he's always talking to you. Just open this up. He's talking to you. Stories that are thousands of years old are still speaking to us today. He's talking to you. So I want to encourage you, if you want to have victory, make the Lord your dwelling place. Number two, how do you have victory in this life? Remember who it is that does the saving. It is not I, but he. And Psalm 44 verse 6 says this, I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies and you put our adversaries to shame. Not I, but he. Remember his place. Number three, remind yourself of what he's done in your life. What has he brought you out of? You don't get a belt like this by being like ranked 25th in the world. You get a belt like this by being the champ. You get a belt like this because you've been through some battles and you've won. You get a belt like this showing your accomplishments. And that's why sometimes when you put this on, you gain some confidence because you're reminded of what you've been through. You're reminded of how big the struggle is and how much you can handle. Remember what he's done in your life. He not only rescues you, but he takes care of all of your needs in all aspects of this world. In Deuteronomy 31.6, it says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter where you go, He will never leave you. He takes care of us. It's not just a one-time victory. It's an everyday victory. If only we can figure out that magic solution. More of him and less of us. It's not I, but it is he. And he can fix this. He can bring you victory today in your finances, in your relationships, in, in your struggles, addictions, he can bring you victory today when you stop thinking that you can solve it and give it to him. You know, several years ago, just like three or four years ago, uh, my wife and I had some financial problems. We owed a lot of money to the IRS, so I did what I thought I had to do. I got an a evening job delivering pizzas on top of my full-time day job. And... Uh, then I started driving for DoorDash on the nights I wasn't working for the pizza place. Then I started looking on Craigslist and I found people that were giving away free wood. And then I, I went and I would chop it by hand and sell firewood that I got for free. It was a lot of work chopping that wood. You load it in the truck, you unload it when you get home, you chop it, you load it up again and unload it when you deliver it. It's a lot of work. 
but I felt like I was doing the right thing because I was making more money to try and solve this problem. So I, I, it wasn't enough. I started doing plasma. I started selling plasma, which I see a lot of you guys out there. No, there's nothing wrong with it. But I was doing what I thought. I had it figured out in my mind how to solve this problem. I said, I can solve this problem. I didn't pray first. I just took it on myself. I said, I know what to do. I can solve this problem. And I started doing all of these things to make extra money until it got to a point my daughter was born and I'm still doing these things and I'm missing time at home. And slowly, I quit one of the jobs, one of the businesses, the pizza place, um, closed their doors in the middle of dinner on a Saturday night, closed the doors, called the drivers and said, come back, bring the food too. Don't worry about delivering it. And I, and I quit one job and one of the places went out of business and then I needed more time with my kids at home so I quit doing the firewood and I gave up. But there was a moment where I sat in my car and I didn't go into the house. I didn't want them to hear it. But I had a conversation with God and I was mad. I said, God, I'm tithing. I'm faithful. I do everything I can for you and for your house. Why are you allowing me to go through this? Why am I still having more bills than I can pay? And I was crying and I was angry and I was saying some things at God that you shouldn't say to God. And he says, I'm teaching you. Stop trying so hard because I already have it figured out. I'm just letting you see that you can't figure it out on your own. will solve your problems once we get out of our own way the guy with the best idea in the room so I want to encourage you let go give it to him there's no more I and only he Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.